Hi, everyone. Friendly Rich here, and you are listening to Fly Fidelity with the great Luke Bailey. <laughs> Welcome to the Friendly Rich Show. We got banjo, trombone, accordion, and hump. We got bicycles and icicles and all the lollipop. We got a mortadella sandwich, got fanny and a breeze. We got costumes, bassoons, popsicles, and cheese. We got fried liver, onions, a ballad, and a moose. We got syphilis and condoms and bubble set loose. We got barrel organs, music, wax, pony, Katie Lee. We got a drum fill, a suitcase, a bubble machine. We got the great balance. Hey, what's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Fly Fidelity. I'm your host, Luke Bailey. Incredible content for incredible times, and make sure you follow us on Spotify and SoundCloud if you aren't already. Also, make sure you check us out at flyfidelity.co.uk. And now for the main event. When does your journey as the artist Friendly Rich begin? which I know has been a very long and evolutionary road traveled for you. When did you decide to embark on making the type of music you make? Oh, boy. Uh, It's got to be, at this point, late 90s that I start kind of becoming that weirdo. And uh, I think it's just been, you're right, it's been this evolution ever since of like, What's interesting about it is a friend of mine was saying like, wow, if I look at your music, I I never really pay pay attention to this, but he reminded me of it. Like you've gotten weirder and weirder over the years. I guess it's just been like this natural progression, which is kind of fun. I mean, it hasn't been deliberate, but um, yeah, it started in the late 90s with, um, as you mentioned, doing music for the Tom Green show on MTV and then just sort of bloomed into, into the many worlds i occupy to this day yeah where would you say you start with your first musical epiphany is is there one you recall either sound based or purely musical to push you to explore this character uh friendly rich and exploring your voice as this artist today Hmm. i mean you know i've been doing like i think a, wrapped around all of my work has been this link to community and community building through my music and so like in the early 2000s I started doing these weird noise parades in my hometown where we would break the law with the law enforcement of going over the legal noise bylaws in in my hometown of Brampton Ontario Canada and um and and I I think it all started to make sense to me around then where it was like oh I could be this weirdo in a classroom setting with grade four kids, mind you, like I, I wouldn't have more like, I guess, mature themes in my, in my music. Uh, so I knew how to tailor it, but I kind of, I've always been exploring community building, whether it be, you know, um, on stage with my group, the lollipop people or, or in a classroom, um, building musical instruments with kids and, and curating these noise parades in my hometown. I think it's all linked to the same kind of uh, exploration for me, you know? 
You mentioned this community, of course, which was very much instrumental in you finding your voice. What was the local scene in Oakville, Canada, like back then? Oh, I grew up in this town called Brampton, and it was like uh, I live in Oakville now, but which is right. nearby. It's like it's like forty five minutes close to Brampton, and gotcha. and uh, it was a it was a it was um you know it was suburban, right? And I sort of sort of realize that like so many artists I know and love come from the same, like they come from the same background of like just a suburban town outside of Toronto in this case, you know, where I often said like, if you don't produce, you become produce. So it's like, that's Mm -hmm. been a a line of mine for 20 plus years. Love it. And I've lived by that mantra and I like it, you know, it's like, cause I've seen like, you know, friends who, who may not have gone down that route and, and just, you know, you can, you can easily vegetate coming up in a, in a suburban environment and just, right you know, get into whatever kind of shit you get into to distract your brain from the boredom. But I think like my pals and I growing up, we're always doing weird shit, like just, um, staying creative and, and then you could kind of get addicted to that. It's like, this is a lot of fun. And, and, and it takes you to so many interesting paths and journeys that that's kind of that that was the landscape it was just battling boredom in in the city of Brampton you know and it, it's fuck it's just become like such a i don't know i i, I can get down on my hometown but it's just like homes that's all it is you know it's still all it seems to be but it's it's kind of interesting cuz there's in every one of those homes there's a unique identity and there's a lot of cool creative things happening but you got to you got to look for it yeah. What about those cool and creative things happening back then? Who who were you listening to? What are you listening to as a fan? And as an artist absorbing inspiration, who were some of the artists you're inspired by coming up at this time? I, you know, I, I got into like the music of Frank Zappa when I was in high school and stuff like Zappa, Tom Waits, nice. um, that kind of weird shit, really. The Residents, Ronaldo and the Loaf. Um, who I got to interview many years later on my podcast, Industry Tactics, which was a fucking thrill uh, to to talk to Ronaldo in the loaf. But like we, weird, weird stuff like that really changed me. You know, it it, it showed me and composers like um, R. Murray Schaefer here in Canada, who really just showed me a way. They showed me a lineage to to being weird and creative and and building a career on that. So. You know, it, it made me feel less alone when I was like, when I had models like that, that, that I think were really interesting and unique voices uh, at, a, at, at that age, right, where it, it all hits you uh, in, in high school. And I was, I was playing guitar and making weird experimental music and, and just hearing these unique voices. I, I really, I've really had to kind of, over the years, just, I, I worry if I'm like ripping on it too much. So I've, 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 I've since kind of grown in and gone in way different directions but back then that was really what kind of moved my world as an artist yeah what about the direction education took upon your art and craft because of course you're somebody who's very vocal about the importance Mm -hmm. of education and a link between education and music has music always felt like a career for you after leaving university and Mm -hmm. can you remember being happy recording a song for the first time and what that song was hmm. um well education has always played like since for the last 20 years it's just always played a, a part in, in my 
a strong role in my career in figuring out who I am as a musician. And it remains like I, I work at a community music school in the city of Toronto right now and, and, and give back in many unique ways, uh, to that, to that school and, and that community. And I, it's just always defined who I am as it's helped me define who I am as an artist, you know? So like, yeah, you're right. Um, that curiosity exploring with sound uh, exploring sound and and how it all works that that comes into the studio all the time but it also comes into the classroom equally for me it's like because you know uh different perspectives i think show it to you a, a different way and um i've always made time for both like i don't see them as i see they're all linked to me it's 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 all part of the same world of just like trying to define music in your own way. Like this is, this is how I see and hear music, you know, and whether I'm sharing that on a recording or sharing that in a, in a classroom setting, it's all the same for me. And, and I guess that's at points it does get political too. I just kind of realized that like over the last three or four years of, of doing what I do, it's like, yeah, you're, you're political in the classroom. You're political when you're recording it, it all, it's all politics, I think too. Right. about the process of yourself back then mm -hmm. making music and you know the perspectives you speak of today influencing your music how do you reflect on your perspective back then when you were making music for the first time oh man i mean back then i was just more raw you know i was like immature um i like i still am i i still fucking clown around all the, all the time, all the time. I mean, uh, it like to a fault, but, um, but I, I think I got a better, um, I got a better, uh, just grasp of who I am. I, st you know, I still am uncomfortable with who I am, but I, I got a bit better grasp of, of who I am now and am able to kind of control that energy a lot better than when I was younger. So like, 
weird, immature shit, like shitty, like problematic lyrics or, or poor decisions. Uh, I, I, I didn't make many of those, but like, thankfully, but like, there's some stuff that I've just, you know, like hasn't aged as well as others, you know? Um, so yeah, it's been interesting just trying to, um, continue evolving and, and growing on, on all fronts. Let's talk about growing in all fronts. I mean, you mentioned decisions in the past, some of those decisions. I'm thinking about those decisions now in this time, in this moment. Has there been a point where you felt your strides and pacing were at risk of being lost, beat up musically or mentally or both over the past 12 months with this pandemic? Oh, boy. Yeah. You know, so much reflection uh, happening since like March. Here it was March 13th, uh, 2020. When the hammer kind of fell and I, I guess everybody just hit pause, right? Um, right. Yeah, like it, it, I feel like not only has my beard grown since the pandemic, but like I, I you know, I, I, I think the, someone told me this once is that like your beard is a reflection of your mental health and like, um, that's probably accurate in that this case. That might be like, true, right. Yeah, you know, like you, you'll usually shave at a weird pivotal moment in your life or not shave when shit's going weird and, and shit went weird, man. I mean, um, yeah, it was tough. It was like really, it's been like to not perform live when like sticking my hand in people's beer glasses and playing that as musical instruments is a thing I do. And now it's just mm. like, yeah, and now I'm going to be like wearing a full body condom the next time I go up there. And, and, uh, I just, you know, we all miss it so much. It's just, uh, but I don't know. I think I channeled the energy. I was numb for the first six months of, of the whole thing, just trying to digest it, process it. I think I'm definitely coming out of, um, whatever that was and whoever I left behind, I feel like I left, um, uh, like when I hear, well, I'm going to release a live record, um, of the lollipop people and I performing at the Cameron house in Toronto, which is like a, um, you know, like a staple, uh, venue for, for a lot of art, a lot of weirdo artists and very supportive of the scene. So I'm going to record, I'm going to release that in mid April. Nice. And it's like hearing that, just preparing that, it was a, it was like a forgotten recording. It was like just preparing it for release, like made me deeply sad and just impressed by like who that was. It did make me feel it's like, oh man, I left that guy behind. Like I, I've just been, you know, in this groundhog day kind of, uh, um, existence right now, you know, uh, it's, it's been weird. It's been weird, but, um, but I am coming out of it and feel like almost rejuvenated creatively where like so many interesting projects are now coming to light. And, and that's really exciting for me is like who we, who we are as artists and humans coming out of this is really the, the exciting moment. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, man. What and about- I'm just thankful to have my health, like, and, and our health as a family throughout it. It's like, that's, that's like, the main thing that I, I also felt like here I was like, um, like just dwelling on what, 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 what are the, what is the state of music going to be coming out of this? But it's just like, I, I, that almost feels like, um, insensitive to be, to be thinking that way when it's like people are dying all around us. Right. So. 
What about the new record, the latest record, which is such mm -hmm. a rejuvenating and energizing listen of all your catalogue editions? Of course, it's not your first time collaborating with several collaborators, but it might be your deepest collaboration to date. What was the process and how did that album come about? A Muffled Snore. Yeah, Muffled Snore. So that, that came, like, the last show I did was the night of March 12th, and it was with... Um, David Sait, who plays the Gajung, uh, and, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a powerful moment. And, and mm. the day later the world shuts down and we had all this material and we really knew that the lyrics that were written by fellow weirdo, Uneel Neil Retke, um, they, they were really working live. And, and so, as I said, a few months went by and we kept in touch and then uh, I happened to record, uh, you know, he, Neil and Eel had given me the, the, this manila envelope full of all of his lyrics and I just recorded one and threw it by David and he, he, he immediately started working at this tempo that was like, he'd throw me back a track really quickly and I, I liked that like creatively to, to, cause I work pretty, pretty quickly and, and uh, to just get it back as fast as I had thrown it to him was like, impressive and the next thing we knew we had like um 10 of the, like we were done like we recorded the whole manila envelope and then uh i had written some some uh like short pieces and i threw them by neil and then he threw them back to me and i i added music and the whole thing just kind of bloomed in the pandemic right so this collaborative this new muscle that we all kind of went back to to get shit done while we're isolated what it has been a moment and, and I've, I've been really impressed and ex inspired by that, you know, like it's new ways of getting it done. And, and it may not be, um, I, I miss the studio as much as I miss the stage, you know, um, like my home studio is not as it's good, but it's not, you know, what I'm used to lately, but it, I, I'm so excited about that. Like of just working with what you have, you know, yeah. and, and we made it work. Yeah. What what is your home studio setup right now? Well, I mean, I gave you a little glimpse of it. I've got like this yeah. um, me mechanical street organ um, that I've been writing for another another like weirdly timed project that I did um, this this piece that is going to hopefully premiere this fall uh, live at the at the Guelph Jazz Festival is what it's being built for. Um, so I've been. I mean, it's, it is the perfect collaborator in, uh, in COVID times because it's a mechanical, uh, street 117 pipe street organ. That's really fucking loud. So that's like in my living room. And then, wow. you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I've got all kinds of other gear that, that I'm working with and, uh, and just doing my thing as well. But you know, it's, so it's, it's, it's fine. And it's been great. Like another band that's just kind of grown out of the pandemic has been this collaborative project called the bird brains, which is with musicians I used to work with, like in the real world in the <laughs> pre COVID times, you know, but it, it also bloomed during this time. We've been releasing a bunch of different like singles every so often. And that's, so that's, it's nice to see these creative projects kind of 
born from such a weird era that we're now living in, you know? It really, really is, man. Tonally, yeah. this album is is an album to me that breezes through some really dark and timeless atmospheres with a vision as cinematic as much as it's psychedelic. What places have you gone to for inspiration without being able to travel, like you say, mm-hmm. over the last 12 months that have helped you to shape, you know, your contribution to this album? Thanks, Luke. That's awesome that you would say that about the the sound of it. Yeah, it's, it sounds so kind of um, like cinematic to me. And that that yeah. was like uh, and, you know, like I, I usually write all the music. And so like for me, all I I mean, I, I did write some of the stuff that that Neil did the vocals for, uh, which is a couple of, of tracks. So I did a couple of like sound design kind of uh, pieces. But um, for the most part, it was me channeling this. It, it did capture the moment for for me in in Neil's lyrics that I that I delivered. It just seemed to. It was very consistent for me. My 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 performance and my role in this little weird little trio that we had. And David Sate is the guy that laid down a, most of the music and all of the um, the lyrics that Neil wrote. And, uh, and so my role was really, it's cool to be for me actually after like a long fucking time, uh, being the, one of the major sources of like, uh, the music coming from me, um, that I had a laneway that it was just like, um, no, in this case, you, you're going to do this. And it was, it was really the vocal delivery. So I, I mean, I, I think I, it, it is a real reflection of the last 12 months that we've lived through mm. in that it is pretty dark and uh, and and outside and just kind of um, but beautiful as well. Right. Like it's a it's a yeah. I don't know. I, I feel all those things when I listen back to it um, and haunting, too, because, yeah, you know, that's there, too. The dainty dandies of dying dust. Lavacious ladies living their lust, crater and pole, cockle and eel, oceans of wine and singing creole, dancing on folded toes, the ringing of music, the tapping of facts, high above it all the moon has a laugh, a ruggle juggle juggle, how you duty hoop hoo. A smuttering of clapping, laughter like a cough. A lovely heirloom wedding gown, torn apart by dogs. Yarn, na-da-da, pickle thunder sue. Plaid gong under rat-a-bat-a-ka-choo. Won't you sing out loud with me, like just sitting on your knee? will come in one day you see get up skirt eat dessert off to france bow 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 forevermore take me through a track as visionary and as cinematic as the dainty dandies is i mean how does a song like that specifically come together yeah yeah easily i gotta say like the whole uh 
thing for these these lyrics that an eel had given me, which is like ten of the twelve tracks on the recording, the the really outside kind of absurdist, um, dadaist kind of style of, of lyrics that that Neil wrote specifically for me pre-pandemic. And he came to me, we were on a tour and he came and, and saw us one night and he said, and he gave me this mysterious manila envelope and said, mm. I'd, I'd, I'd like for you to take this on. And, um, and I was like, yeah, man, I, I fucking love his work and, and, and what he's put out. And, um, and we're kind of connected by noise music. And, uh, and so I was into it. And then the dainty, dainty dandies and all of his tracks really are like, I just, I just, it, it, it was like, it, it didn't take much to be honest with you to, to, to let her rip and get this project done. And as I said, it kind of built momentum as like, I would send it to David and he would send it back. And then I started mixing the music and, um, we hit such a groove creatively that I, I love these kind of collaborations where like, there's no friction. Like it, it was very like top to bottom, I got to say, and, and you rarely say this in, in, in making things, you know, where it's like all of the suggestions were, were like spot on. Mm-hmm. Like we seemed to just like, there was a harmony between us and this was David Satan and I for the most part, but also Neil, when he contributed anything like, like the, his performance of, of my lyrics and then, and then notes on the mixes it just all came together and the artwork even like like you know all of it just like it was a i just love as you're noticing i just love collaboration you know it's uh it's part of the art form for me is like seeing how us humans get along through it and even seeing when ego creeps in because like i got that still you know it's i'm trying to shed it but i got it you know so it's like it's kind of fun it's kind of fun to just pay attention to all of that and what have you learned from releasing this album that you didn't already know prior? Um, I, I learned, great question. I learned that I love creating things and, 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 and not being the same old guy. Like just, I, I enjoyed the constraints of not only creatively of like not being able to make it in the same r- room together, but also that I'm going to take on this specific role, which could be a uh, vocalist. It could be uh, uh, a clarinetist, whatever the hell you want me to lay down on a track, give me a laneway. And I like that. I like the, uh, the idea that, you know, I'm, I'm not, that I'm creating, I'm, we're getting to new places, uh, different, differently, you know? So, cause, uh, I, I, I've, I've, I've seen create, uh, recordings kind of come to life very differently over the years. And this one was really, uh, pandemic inspired. And I think this old adage that we're going to come out of this stronger than when we, when we went into it, like I, I am feeling like, just as I keep mentioning this blooming beard on my face or whatever the fuck it is, it's like, I think it's a reflection of where I'm at. Um, and, and I, I feel like it's, there is some kind of a, a realization or, a better understanding of, of who I am as an artist and, and, and those I'm affecting with my art and, um, and the community of, of people that I'm trying to stay desperately close to, even though we're all, um, not able to see each other right now. So, 
You mentioned shedding parts of yourself, specifically your ego, a couple of minutes ago. What parts and processes of your practice have you had to shed to grow as an artist? I've I've always kind of said that being a successful artist for me is like um, just continuing to do the projects. And some of them are big. Like, you know, I still have that puppet opera that I wrote like over a decade ago that that I'm trying to find proper funding for, you know? So I got that, I've got that, that fish that, that I can't seem to catch. Right. Right. But I've, so I've got those big projects, but I, I, I really have felt like over the years I've been able to realize more than I would even have dreamed of. So it's that, but it's also like, um, doing it responsibly, um, um, relationships matter, you know, like I've been really fortunate enough that over the last, you know, 20 plus years of doing what I do, I've remained friends with so many of, of the musicians and people that, I, that I've worked with. And that's like equally, I, I'd say more important than the output um, yeah. is, is, is relationships, you know, and, and not um, like th- uh, this record came out and thank you, Luke, and, and everyone who's gotten behind it, like, and, and shown interest in it, but it's not been. Of course. You know, like it's not been a, 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 a bestseller. So, I mean, you know, you, I look at that and I, I'm always trying to build an audience. I don't feel that I've been like, I pay attention to the fact that I, some of my ideas are quirky and may turn people off, you know, um, calling a record, we are all terrorists (laughs) maybe was a bad idea but I had to do it, I guess, you know, I'm just trying to figure things out as I go through it. So yeah, man, it's interesting to reflect on these things. I think ego does drive a lot of it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep it in check and, um, and, and just make the art that I feel like I'm here to, to make. And, and, you know, that, that is, uh, that's been interesting trying to like, uh, just paying attention to that and, and growing with each project, you know? This is an album that, like you say, follows uh, 2019's We Are All Terrorists. Can you talk about that album for those that don't know about that process, which I believe took you a little longer than this project to make, if oh, not God. two years. What What was yeah. the process yeah. for that specific that, like That was really wanting to celebrate my these friendships. So like every... I mean, and it was inspired by hip-hop. I know it doesn't sound like it, but it was it was just inspired by hip-hop in the sense that like... I love how in hip hop you'll have every track being a new adventure. And I, I realized it's like, there are, I mean, there is like a, a lot, I can't remember, over 75 people play on that record. We're all terrorists. Wow. And it's like from, you know, uh, a, a duo in the Laywright boys to a <clears throat> weirdo choir in the element choir, um, to the woodshed orchestra. There are a lot of people playing on that record. And these are all, uh, like, friends I cared deeply about, you know, and, and so I think like every track was an adventure and that's why, and, and, and I did it in like multiple studios in multiple cities. Um, and, and that was a lot of fun too, you know? And so I was already going in this direction of like, it all started for me, like recording fucking naked in my parents' basement in, in the mid to late nineties. And, um, I thought maybe I should go like after working with so many artists, I thought maybe I should go back to that idea. Maybe not to my actual parents' basement, but, but, or recording naked, but like, uh, you get the picture, right? A vulnerability, of, a vulnerable space. 
Yeah, yeah, but also just um, a more um, not in multiple cities, not in multiple studios, not right. with over 75 musicians. But I wanted to go back to writing for a mechanical street organ, which I did, and and really getting back into that bedroom studio vibe, which I've been building up. But sadly, I, I wasn't planning for there to be a global health pandemic that that drove us there, you know, or drove me there. I was going there anyway, mm. but it, it happened to just be like a real shift so since we are all terrorists but um yeah man i'm super proud of that record when i listen back to that and uh there's like an accompanying film an hour-long film of my face melting like a like it's really dark shit and um and uh i gotta say that film when i look at that film now i i kind of look like the weird guy that whose face is melting in that in that film, like I'm, I almost feel like I'm turning into that corpse or something. It's it's really weird. So I'm not. I better not pay too much attention to it. It's kind of scary stuff. It's interesting, man. We're talking <laughs> about transformation. You know, of course, that decay you could see it as in that video is very much you know with the same to with the same token a transformative time right now and i mean it's very much also a dangerous album to come out back then can you imagine yeah. coming out with the album now ooh yeah you know and and like i here's the thing i i what i learned in that tune we are all terrorists i was trying to say that you know, I'm, I can't stand the notion of like incels and, um, you know, fucking Jordan Peterson in yeah. inspiring people to, to want to drive their van down a street and just, and gun people down or whatever the fuck the inspiration is. I just thought maybe I communicated it poorly, but it was like what I was trying to communicate in that tune and in the, on that album is like, tr I mean, anything but that, you know, is like re revolting against that. Um, trying to stay creative, trying to promote this concept of constructive anarchy that has been, I think kind of, um, embedded in my work since the early days of like the Columbine shooting when I was working through that shit and, uh, you know, uh, trying to, trying to show the people a, a constructive way out of, of some pretty dark places that I myself have gone, you know, but it's like without music, I don't know if I'd be one of those people, you know? So I, 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 I don't know, maybe it came out wrong, but you're right. Like it's, it was, it was tenuous then. And I, I still feel it now. I, I stand behind it and maybe with a little preface or an artist statement that I had to just make to you, it's like, I, I don't mind that. I, I think sometimes I do need to talk about the music to, which is a bad sign and maybe I, I need to work harder at writing the song <laughs> but uh you, you know it um it's a tense time we're living in right now that there's no doubt and um yeah it's also an important time for artists to be like writing the the most important music of of their careers right now and that's kind of how seriously i'm taking it you know yeah it was very much a brave and bold album you put out was there ever a backlash towards you putting her out back then and expressing what you say was constructive anarchy did did people mm. take the album and your message out of context no, I didn't have any moments of like, um, thankfully, thankfully, thankfully that I, that, that I, that I can, that I can remember in, in bringing that out and, and performing it live and, and touring it. I think it, it was pretty well received for, for the weird dark record that it is, you know? Um, I, and I also don't know, this is the funny thing. Like I, I, you know, 
I also knew this is like me, me versus myself is like, I could have called the, the record. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of another, uh, uh, title on that, on that album, like Le Malaise or something like this that would have given it a totally different flavor or, right. you know, I'm, I'm trying to think all, like all the titles on that record are dark, like God is dead or, or, uh, Le Malaise. It's not, it's not exactly a feel good recording. Uh, couple that with an hour-long face melt video, and and that's what we get. So, like the way I marketed it, that you know, it, it 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 prevented like a label that I know that was interested in releasing it. Like I had to release it independently, which is kind of the story of my life, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the most part, apart from some European support that I've received over the years, it's been all independent, right? So. I, that's the thing I, I'm making the art that I want to make. And, um, and I was aware of that. Like I was fully aware of the fact that I was probably shooting myself in the foot calling an album, we are all terrorists, but I, I did it anyway. Yeah. You're in, you're in a unique space in, uh, like you say, you haven't had to depend on anybody but yourself and your own terms independently for such a long time. Talk to me about the freedom that comes with recording exclusively for your own record label, the pumpkin pie corporation. Yeah, I mean, it's been, it's it's freed me up to make the music that I want to make and be the artist that I want to be. And so um, the one taste of, of that, uh, this was kind of fun to pay attention to. It is like, I made an album early on called We Need a, a New F Word. And right. like, I, I it, it was, you know, um, it, it wasn't really... Perfect. I'd, I'd say it was a different sound. It was a different approach. I was working with a producer, and it was this label in Germany took a liking to it and released it, and 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 released three subsequent records. And by the end of that third subsequent record, they they uh, I I had just gone to a place where they were like not understanding where I was going, and and it was like I I kind of realized that I didn't really need them to, 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 I mean, it would have been nice if they stayed behind it, but it was kind of an optional thing, you know, it's, so it's really allowed me to make the music that I want to make. That being said, like, I want to jam with, with other creatives. And there are so many cool labels out right now that, um, that I'm actually really excited to, uh, there's some opportunities coming up down the line where like, it's not been a deliberate thing where I'm like, I will release exclusively on my right. own terms. It's been wherever the love is or the interest is, I'm there, you know, I'm, I'm really into this collaborative approach. And I, if it ever, but if it ever gets, um, I have seen it where it's been like, yeah, you're getting too weird for us, which was literally said around that time. It's like, all right, well, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing here in the corner then. And, um, and, and, you know, hopefully people pay attention to it and are into it. You know, it's, I, I, that's the one thing about even this last record, uh, a muffled snore. It's like all the stuff I've put out. Um, it, it's this label actually said, I'm a seeker. They, they said you have your, 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 they had, they said you have two different types of artists in the world. Artists that are like, kind of like the Beatles who, I, I mean, not that the Beatles weren't seeking new sounds, but but he kind of said that I w- I was changing gears with every record and he can hear that and he and he wasn't really thrilled about it he was just like you know work this one sound and 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 hone it but that's mm. not really me you know it's not it's not the path I've taken I'm I, I like this idea of like every project is a new 
uh, iteration of yourself with some through line. It's certainly me on all of it, but it's, um, yeah, man, I, I like that exploration. And, and he was right. Like early on, I was laughing at it, but he's right. I, I am a, a seeker and that, and that's fine. I, I probably never find that perfect <laughs> sound, but um, that that for me is the point of, of the whole journey, right? Absolutely. And speaking of perfect sounds, if you had to pick a song that you think best defines this new album, A Muffled Snore, what song would that be? Oh, I like, um, I like Lick Your Eyeballs. That's a, that's a, that's a fun one. That one came just right to me. So what's the story behind you being hired to work as a composer for the Tom Green Show, which which is already, from what I understand, a fairly popular show before you get involved? Did they approach you or, or did you approach them? You know, it was a different time. I was in, I think I was in, um, fuck, yeah, I might have been in, uh, it, was a, it was a weird time in my life where it was like coming out of high school, I think. And I was just really into, as I said, like absurdist humor and and absurdist music and the whole thing of being experimental. And when I found that and then I saw this guy from Ottawa, Ontario on cable television, um, Tom Green doing like eating deodorant bars (laughs) on television, like it was just like... (laughs) Well, and he's a, he's a few years older than me, I, I think, right? And um, right. I 
I I fell for it. I was like really into it. And I, and, and I still am like, um, I pimp my work hard. So like I send my stuff to artists I love and respect and sometimes they get back to me. And in this case, it was like, he, uh, he got back and was like, I really like your music. I sent him like all of what I had recorded at the time. So this is like late nineties, I guess. And, um, and, uh, and he, and he said, I want to use it on your show, on my show. And he was still at that time, I think on the, the comedy network here in Canada. And so I sort of, I was naive. Like I was still, I think I was in like, um, early days of studying music at university and, and, um, you know, I'd been rejected by the American, I was going to move to San Francisco and work with the residents. I actually had a, a placement there to, to work with like work with the residents, my, like one of my heroes in, in musically. And, uh, and I got denied at the border and it was just this big ordeal in my life and got denied at the border. Cause I look like a mess. And, uh, and then I come back and I get this note from Tom Green saying, I'm, I'm going to MTV. I, I mean, I essentially gave him all of my music for free or like a happy meal at the time. Cause I didn't care. And, uh, and then he was like, I want to use your music on, on MTV as well. So at that point I got a lawyer involved and it like, it paid for the first down payment on my house. It was like, it was like, Oh shit, man. Like there's money to be made in, in music, you know? And, and so it was the most money I've, I've still like ever seen from, uh, f from one of those deals. Amazing. And it, it really inspired me. And like that, that he like, stayed with a weirdo like me and like we've we've bumped into each other over the years still like we still keep in touch not as much but i really like how he's evolving and aging as an artist i i talk about him all the time in that like he's living in a van he's battling the pandemic in his own way his stand-up has been like poignant and and really he's just aging so well and he's such a pioneer when it comes to broadcast and independent art um I got nothing but great things to say about him. And I, 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 I'm more proud now that we've been able to collaborate over the years than I was even then. Like I, I, and I also don't like the way that brand of humor has, um, kind of just evolved or de-evolved like with, with shit like jackass, I'm not as big into where it's that style of humor has gone, but I think for Tom Green, it was like, it, I, nothing but pure admiration for him. And th I'm thankful that I get to like share that weird work with all the, the music I was making back then was like, as I said, me naked in my parents' basement. Yeah. So it was like really fucking raw, shitty, MIDI driven. Like, like it's not who I have become as an artist, right? Like if, if he were to hire me now, it would be probably like a, you know, like a, a an, I'd, I'd, I'd bring in an orchestra and do it totally different. Right. So, so that's, what's kind of cool about it is that like, it's a very young, naive version of myself, um, in the mix there. Yeah. He really spearheaded a movement and aesthetic back then that, you know, like you say, you're now seeing in shows like Jackass to shows like the Eric Andre show and, and yep, so on yep. and so forth. Can you recall your first time hearing Tom Green's music with organized rhyme who Prior yeah. to Tom Green, I mean, it was one of the first yeah. Canadian rap acts to sign a record deal with a major Sick. label, right? Yeah, 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 totally, totally. And I fuck it. That's that's the thing. Like, it's like I was seeing this like um, polymath kind of like 
in him, it's like, you know, I, I used to I used to call up his Webovision show all the time and crank like weird ha- hand organ, uh, like pump organs and shit like this on on, on barrel organs on on, on that show, and and Dope. it was like this guy's this guy's running Rogers Cable Ten, which was that that cable uh, television show that I initially connected with him through. And by the way, like it was done in such a grassroots way that the world doesn't work this way a lot anymore, where you just send someone a box set of your CDs, obviously I'm dating myself, but like to the, to the cable access television station, he gets it and fucking writes me back. And like, so that take that it's unto itself takes, takes a lot of effort, but it's like, if you hadn't done that, like this whole wormhole doesn't happen. And it's like, I often think about that, like people making an effort and, and he, no, he's just such a pioneer. I was, I wasn't into where his show was going because it's like, I mean, God bless him. He kept using my music, but it's like, dude, where are you going with this humor? Like, you're going to have to remove, at the time I was joking, like, you're going to have to saw off an arm, like, if this keeps up for ratings. I I was kind of getting turned off by, like, where that brand of humor was going. And then, lo and behold, like, a year later, he, he, I I mean, uh, he's removing a testicle on, on, like, it, it was like, you know, it, it actually did kind of go there and, and, but still he did it in a pioneering way that he was like, don't worry about me, man. I've got lawyers and, and I'm well taken care of. And he, and he, he grew and evolved and never became, I was just worried that he was going to become like, um, a weird version of himself or like a, like a caricature or like I, I, I used a carrot top at the time. I don't know why I was so worried about him, but it's like, he's done just fine, more than just fine. I admire the fact that like, he was essentially running his own cable access television show from it. I mean, he essentially early days of podcasting was way ahead of that curve and knew it and, and still is producing this, this new work, uh, from a van in the middle of nowhere in a desert, he's running a studio. So I, I just, nothing but great things to say about, um, his career path. And I still find great inspiration in all of it. So you're working through these show notes and seeing this footage. What's jumping out to you in helping you to signpost your process for such experimental music at that time? Um, what, what do you mean by that? Like, I, like the the show notes from from the Tom Green from the show Tom Green or? show. What's standing yeah. out to you in helping you to essentially, you know, prepare and make yeah. this experimental music you're making for the show? You know what? It was like uh, the beautiful thing about it was i i had made all that music i just gave it all to him so it's already pre-made it was already pre-made there was no like uh there was no none none of that it was just like hey can we use this 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 and this and they literally used like all of my music (laughs) like all of the music i had made in my life up to that point had had found itself on uh three seasons on mtv yeah amazing was he ever giving you feedback himself as an artist what were those yeah, conversations he, he, like? He fucking from the get-go dug what I was doing. And um 
I love that. I love that. Yeah, he was really into it. And I, I would run into him in, in Toronto uh, years later and just said he, he, he has reiterated like on multiple occasions just how much uh, he digs what I've been up to musically, which I think is is uh, is special to me. You know, it's like, yeah, yeah man, I, I just uh, I, 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 I love when I see people doing original things and um and he's definitely one of them and uh and the fact that like we have this connection is i is something i i the older i get with it the 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 i think as i said earlier the more the the prouder i am of it because it was just like um you know i i i i would often roll my eyes if i'd be on tour somewhere and they'd introduce you know the band as that you know like the composer of the music from the Tom Green show. It's like, I didn't want to really, I, I, I think I might have resented that to an extent of like not wanting to be um, just, just pigeonholed as that, as that guy. But I, I, the older I get, the more I'm like, yeah, I'm, fuck, I'm putting this on my bio. It's cool shit. And I'm, I'm cool. And I'm also cool to be linked to it because, you know, I've, I've, I think I've resented like the fact that I'm, I have a thread of humor throughout all that I do, you know, and, and without apology now, it's like, yeah, I, I'm fairly funny and I'm all right with that. <laughs> this is the classic saying that every comedian wants to be an artist and every artist wants to be a comedian. Did you ever want to be a comedian in your career? Oh, you know, it's so many people. I mean, listen, class clown, grade 12. No, I've never, um, I, I love comedy. Like SCTV for me is like fine art, you know? Um, yeah. um, but no, man, I, I, I am who I am. And that's a composer of weirdo music. Yeah. And if I, if I, and like when I'm performing, like there is an element, a weird element between songs of like a through line of like some kind of weird, the banter always kind of does feel like a dark, depressed, uh, uh, stand up, but, uh, you know, Mingus is the clown is on my list of something that like, re it just all resonates, but like, I don't, I can't do it. I'm not, I'll give no, there will be no time in my life where I take a mic and just like try to do the stand up thing. It's just not me. Um, that being, that being said, like I'm, I just finished producing a season of a new podcast that I'm, I've, co-written with a with a mate of mine who's like an awesome artist and a, a fountain of creativity Corey mccallum and it's uh it's called the boringville the the, the boringville chronicles and okay. it's essentially like a seven part um theater of the mind kind of it, for me it still feels like composition though you sort of see where i'm going with it it's like it's music but it's a storyline and it so i i i you know, comedy is there. It's fucking hilarious. This thing. It's a. It's. I'm so proud of it. But um, so comedy is in what I do for sure. Um, I just, uh, capital C comedian is probably not how I uh, uh, kind of d define what I do. That's all. And of course, there's a thread between the comedy in your music and the comedy in a Tom Green show that kind of goes back to our appreciation in UK. Why do you think audiences in UK get Canadian humor so much? Oh, it's the Commonwealth. God bless her, her, our, our queen. Um, no, I, 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 I don't know. You're right. You're right. You're right in pointing that out. Like, um, 
it's it's different, right? If we look at comedy in the UK and comedy in Canada, it, it it's it's got its own brand. Um, and I think comedy in Canada is it it's kind of run on parallel to the way our two countries where where they are. I think you know, um, there's a deeper history in in your country than in 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 mine, obviously, and. Um, and I think that kind of shows in our, it's reflected in our culture and in our, and in our comedy. And, uh, so, so I don't think an, uh, an SCTV necessarily comes out of the UK. Right. But it's, it's definitely like, a, you could see, um, Monty Python yeah. kind of uh, crumbs in the, in the fabric of what SCTV became. So it's, I, that's, that's a fascinating and beautiful thing to just pay attention to. Right. It's, uh, the, the comedy that that a country puts out, I've often heard John Cleese talking about the comedy, the difference in comedy between the UK and America. And I, I think there really is something there with like, you know, kids in the hall and, and other brands of comedy uh, in Canada that, are, that have since evolved. Um, it's it's uh, that's a fascinating thing to, to, to look at. I, I mean, I don't spend too much time paying attention to that, but it's, right. uh, it, it's, it's kind of cool. It, it is kind of cool. The, the differences between our countries and, and how we laugh. Like the other thing I've noticed just touring a, a lot in Germany is their inability to laugh. <laughs> and, um, and so like, I don't go over well at all in Germany. Like my, my, uh, that banter between songs is just like crickets. The crickets in Germany sound like wow. really, really well tuned, well oiled. And, um, yeah, they're, they're, the way they laugh is, uh, or the way they look at humor is so different, you know? What are some of the songs that Germany audiences respond to when you catalog that surprise you? Um, they, they love, I shouldn't slander my, my fellow Germans. I just, uh, right. I have, a, I have a shelf life whenever I tour in Germany that after the third week I'm barking at every fucking last German because they're not, uh, it just, I, sometimes the, I'll, I'll get a little fed up with the, how serious everything can be over there, you know? Um, yeah. but my music seems to, they, 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 they dig it. They really dig it. It, 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 it felt like the first few times going over there, I started going over there in 2008. It felt like a place where the music I was making was, was like, uh, came home in a weird way because the music I make here in Canada doesn't really, uh, it, it, as close as it's gotten here in Canada has been the European vibes of Quebec. So I've been touring a lot in Quebec, um, over the last five years of my career because nice. it's felt like, it's felt like Europe, but, but, uh, Germany just, it felt like a coming home. I, I, there's not a real tune that I could say maybe Fatwa, um, um, but most of my catalog has gone over really well there, you know, and, and, and I'm so thankful for, for, for all of those tours I've been able to do in Germany. I'm, I'm excited to get back there at some point when, when the world lets us again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Bringing it back to this new series of the podcast you talked about doing earlier. I'm curious if you, if you ever feel like leadership around doing what you do in love as an artist, as well as a podcast, do you ever feel that, low leadership and, and path is lonely. Oh man. N no, no. Um, like band leading, um, 
it's just been kind of like um, a necessary uh, thing for me to do. I, I I mentioned Zappa and people like Tom Waits earlier in my career. I think like when I tried being in a band and just being like um, running it, uh, uh, you know, the the way a band would. I don't really band well with others. I'm not like that. I'm not that kind of an artist. So I thought multiple families, just beautiful in out kind of like collaborative, you know, um, adventures with, with many, 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 uh, people I know and love and respect is the way for me. So that's been kind of how I, I've gone about it. It hasn't, it's, it's not felt lonely. I mean, um, you know, there, there it's just been, I, I just think, um, uh, polyamorous in a lot of ways, right? I'm just like, I'm, I'm all over the place with so many different people that I don't have to really, you know, um, I really enjoy that. I, and some, some collaborations have a start point and an end point and others will, will, will go beyond one project and over the course of decades. And, and that's so special to me as well. Yeah. I mean, no, no, not a real sense of loneliness. I get, I get where you were going with the question, but it's been like, uh, truly fulfilling aspect of my life. Like I can't imagine what it, where, what might've gone had I, I had they let me into the United States and I, I would have gone to work for the residents. I think this whole body of work may not have happened in a lot of ways. I might, but it might've evolved as a totally different artist. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting, right? Like without it, without all of this in my life, it'd be, that would be lonely. You know, that would be like hard to imagine. Absolutely. And of course, yeah. I asked the question as a rhetorical question, because of course, you're finding so much inspiration in what you do, you know, within the value of online community as much as physical community. Can you talk about cultivating a online community and presence, you know, in absence of not being able to be around people and travel mm -hmm. and do shows? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, you know, I was talk about being numb after the the pandemic first hit i was like i i i'd been doing a lot of live uh streaming um i had like a kid show called rich and famous it was me and that i mentioned earlier Corey mccallum and, and he was like a hip-hopping moose puppet that would it was like a weird children's show that we would do on saturday mornings and when the pandemic hit like uh we had done one the saturday prior and I just went into this, like, I, I quickly saw, like, everyone and their dog going to live streaming with their guitars or whatever, the, their instrument. And I, yeah. I, I couldn't do it, you know. So that was not the way I, I actually, like, rejected a lot of, uh, like, requests to even just talk or be, be present online. I just, um, I, I guess I went into a weird kind of processing phase uh, that, that hasn't really, you know, I, I've not had that in the last 20 years. So it's, it's, it, that was a real moment for me. And, uh, and then, and then like recently I just, it came back and I was like, man, I gotta do what like heroes of mine, like the Nihilus Spasm Band and so many others and myself have done over the years, which is have that, like, I'm not a real spiritual guy, but have that weekly going to church moment where you're performing. And, and, you know, I used to love, residencies like i mentioned the cameron house in toronto we would perform there every tuesday night for for years and years and it's such a part of who i am that i'm trying to bring that back even if it is online um so i'm creeping back into it with some vision and ideas and i'm also like inspired by like 
VR and other kind of communities that can be built. I see a lot of my artist friends kind of poking around in there. And so I'm wanting to get back into that world as well uh, in the next little while and build new instruments and new bands, even new venues. Like this is a moment we're living through Luke. And it's like, um, you, you know, so that's kind of where my mind is at right now of like, I'm, I'm feeling hyper creative. Like it's just been like, I think that numbness has ended. I, I also finished my PhD in, in December. Congratulations. Thank you, brother. And that felt like a real, I think that's all part of the, me just kind of coming, feeling rejuvenated creatively and coming out with a lot more projects. And, uh, so yeah, I'm, 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 I'm trying, I'm trying my best to stay connected with those I, I know and love. And, and, and through this time, it's been, it's been interesting and, and exciting to, to see certain things take shape, you know, and it could just be a simple Instagram message. In fact, like it was with you and I, that leads to uh, a wormhole of opportunity and connection. You know, um, an artist who did a, a music video for me, um, years ago, uh, Martha Colburn, she's an incredible animator and, uh, she's in LA right now and she just messaged me and now we're, we're getting going on a, on a, on a project that might lead to an EP. Like it's nice. really rich all through once again, just like an Instagram message. It actually feels like those early days of Tom Green where it's like, Hey, I'm a stranger. Here's my music. Do you dig it? If you ever want to collaborate, I think that's the way these things should work, right? It's just like, hey, if this speaks to you, keep in touch and, and we'll see where it leads, you know? And I get really excited when I see it lead to like a total gift, like a like a, a wormhole that, you know, we're all richer for. And when people talk about the new normal, this is the new normal we're talking about. This direction you're talking about is the new normal, I feel. That's, I, I hope so. I hope so. I, I, I mean, I've never known normal. I've, I've always been outside of normal. So maybe that's been part of what, yeah, I've been thankfully, like super thankful. Um, like my mental health, I don't know where it's been, but it's, it's, um, I, I think I've been okay through this, just being able to, uh, focus on the work and, um, and health overall, but it's been like, uh, the new normal. Yeah. If this is what it looks like, it, it, I'm all right mm. with it. Like just collaborating and using, using all that we have, like we're talking right now on, uh, Skype, you know, or zoom or whatever the fuck tool you're using, but we're doing it and, and, and staying connected. And, and it, that's the main thing right now is, is finding new ways to, uh, to get it done. And on that note, I say thank you for joining us on this podcast. It's been an absolute honor talking to yourself, Friendly Rich. What do you have in the future in terms of plans for coming to the UK on the other side of this pandemic? Is that a conversation right now with any promoters over here? Can we expect to see a Friendly Rich show in the future? Never say never, man. Never say never. I am talking uh, about getting back to Europe. So next time, like the last time, the last tour I was trying to plan, we were looking at some UK dates. So that would be a, a real dream to uh, to get back to the, uh, what would you say, the, the, the Commonwealth? No, the, what are we, uh, what, uh, we're, we're part of the monarchy. Yeah. To, to, to nod our, to, to, to nod the hat, I guess, to, to the queen. Get over there and, 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 and make some noise. 
I'd like to hear those UK crickets. Be nice to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Friendly Rich, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. We appreciate Anytime. you and look forward to supporting this next project and series of the podcast. Take it easy, Luke. Thanks for having me. Any final words? Uh, one can either produce or become produce. We'll go out with the great quote from Cease Malucci. There it is. Friendly Rich. There's a voice that keeps on calling me Down this road is where I'll always be Oh, every stop I make, I'll make a new friend Can't stay for long, just turn around and I'm gone again Maybe tomorrow the world.